what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. What's going on, everybody? This is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Giannone, joined as always by my good friend. And I think we've had at least three birthdays since we last did an episode, but I'm joined as always by my good buddy. Down in the nation's capital, our correspondent for the big game tomorrow, Flyers Capitals, Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on? Oh, not much, man. Yeah, it's been a while. It's uh, We've had people lined up in the streets clamoring for getting bullied. And uh, this yep. team is clamoring for it with the way that they're playing, and uh, it's it's just it's good to hear your voice, and it's uh, it's 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 great to be back on the airwaves here. It's uh, we gotta we gotta really hunker down here for the uh, the final stretch of the season because it looks like there could be some serious hockey going on uh, over the course of the next few months. Well, I'll say this: it looks like we're going to be doing this um, well into the spring months coming up. I think I think we only I think we've only done in the time we've been doing this podcast. I think they were just in the playoffs the one time when they played Pittsburgh in the first round, and we we all know how that went. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. This team, and you're always trying. I'm always like people are always just trying to look back and compare teams to teams of the past, whether it be in their sport or out of their sport. This team right now. The 2019-2020 Flyers reminds me a lot of the 2008 Phillies from where they started from to where they are right now. And it's it was kind of like, I don't know if it's 2007 where they're just going to get in and, you know, just try to figure it out in the playoffs. But this this season just has kind of that special feel. Every now and then you get a team where... Everything just kind of feels right. Everything kind of flows in that team's direction. And that's what's going on with the Flyers right now. And this just seems like it's a special team that's about to do something really special in the playoffs. And I don't remember. I think, honest to God, I think the last time that the city has had the buzz about the Flyers that they do right now has to at least be a decade. It has to be that 2010 team. The last time the city was really getting this far behind the Flyers at this point in the season. You know what's funny is last night I was on a podcast with uh, Angry Jim and his gang, and Jason Martinez was on there, just a great guy. And one of the guys on the podcast, I think it was Jack, brought up the fact that this team com- uh, reminded him of the 2007 Phillies. Yeah. And now you're bringing that up too. It's it's funny. You said 2008. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how the comparison would go between, you know, a baseball team and a hockey team, but obviously the 2008 Phillies won the World Series. That's where and, I was going with that. You, yeah, that's you, where you were going with that. I picked up and, on that. And so let's – you were maybe going to get to this a little later, but here's one thing I want to say. We're going to have so many positive things to talk about during this episode. Yes. I want to start it off with something that's – it's not negative. It's something not a negative. negative. Okay, it's not, balance it's it out. Not, it's not a negative <laughs> thing, but here's the thing, right? The Flyers, they might win the division, all right? They are three points behind the Caps. They they definitely could win the division. There's about, what, 16 games left or so, um, uh, 17 games left for the Flyers. They're also only three games ahead of the Penguins, so they yep. could finish behind the Penguins. Um, and, look, no one's even locked into the playoffs yet. They're probably going to make the playoffs. But here's the thing. This team could make the playoffs, 
square up against the Penguins in the first round and have a really hard-fought seven-game series where ultimately they lose because Crosby and Malkin are incredible. And it's not that doesn't mean that the season will have been a disappointment. Like, I don't think that I'm not assuming at this point, based on the way this team is playing, that they're definitely going to make the second round, definitely going to make the third round. I'm just trying to enjoy it as they come. Like, we just beat the Rangers back to back. We outscored them, what, like 10 to 4 in the two games, 10 to 5 in the two games. The Rangers had won nine straight on the road, and we buried them at home. And then we went into Madison Square Garden and pretty much buried them at MSG. So it's like, I want to enjoy the ride right now. And this team looks great. They're coming together, and we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, I still, I'm still thinking next year could be the cup team. But this team now could, this team obviously could win the Stanley Cup, right? They could also lose in the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And, And that series you talked about against the Penguins two years ago, the Flyers were terrible in that series. They took it to, what, six games, I think, maybe seven games. And they got buried in the last game. It just was never a series that you thought that they were going to win. This year, this team is so solid that that they may be the favorite in the first round of the playoffs. But I just want to caution, you know, they could go to the playoffs and lose in the first round, and the season still will have been a success. But uh, but it's, it's very fun right now watching this team. Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody out there to have no caution and to f- – to dive in head first, because that's kind of where I'm swaying with this team. I don't remember the last time with the Flyers that I, where they lost in the playoffs, and I was genuinely upset because I genuinely thought they had a chance to win the Stanley Cup. That's kind of where I'm at this year. And it's, you know, the last month or so, the way they've been playing, what Kevin Hayes has brought to this. I mean, I, I can't remember an athlete in this city that has flipped you know, the narrative about him so quickly as Kevin Hayes. I mean, because when he came in in the summer, he was one of the most dividing figures in sports that we've seen in a while. It's It was either that you loved the signing or you hated it. There was very few people in the middle on it. But everybody right now, I mean, without Kevin Hayes, this team is not where they are. The most baffling stat that I've heard in a long time is that they're 18-0-1 when he scores a goal in a game. That is incredible. The Flyers, without Kevin Hayes this year, would be, I, I don't want to say drastically worse, but they would not be, I can't imagine they would be three points out of first place in one of the best divisions in the league this late in the season. What Kevin Hayes has brought to the team has been remarkable, and he has taken so much of the burden off of a guy like Claude Giroux, who... About a month and a half ago, people were kind of wondering where he was. He wasn't bringing that same impact, and he really hasn't needed to. He hasn't needed to be that guy that's the whole weight of the team is on his shoulders, and he's picked up his play in recent weeks, too. Everything right now is just clicking on all cylinders, and even the goal, like the goaltending, and before the game against the Rangers, there was all, everyone was talking about how, you know, the the difference between Carter Hart at home and on the road and what a way for him to kind of get right on the road then go into Madison Square Garden a division rival a team that's hunting for the playoffs in the Rangers and he looked spectacular and he looked spectacular against them on Friday I I can't say enough things about the enough good things about this team right now I am very excited and I will be upset about Anything. I'm not saying I'm not guaranteeing a Stanley Cup, and I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't win it. I'm just saying 
that if they don't, I'm going to be very upset, and it's going to be – I will be depressed about it. If they don't win the cup, you're going to be depressed. Yeah, because I think they have a real chance to do it. And I'm not saying that they're a lock by by any means. And I know once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. We saw – what happened with uh, Tampa Bay last year in the first round. Literally anything can happen. But I think this is as real a shot as they've had to win the Stanley Cup in at least a decade. The last time you could say they would have been this good and had this real a chance to do it was 2012. So we're talking eight years. So I will be upset if they don't win it because I think they have as good a chance as anybody else in the league right now. Well, that's... A lot of optimism. I really like this team. I'm hoping they can make a deep run in the playoffs. I'm not going to be upset if they don't win the Stanley Cup, just because I still think the teams like the Bruins and the Lightning uh, and the Blues and the way that the Knights are playing right now. But either way, this team, I just let's just enjoy the ride. Yeah, it's like be let's a fun enjoy. Run. Let's enjoy. Let's enjoy every game that we get from this team. And here's the thing. They're just going to keep getting better and better. That's one of the best things about this team is that they've got so many young players. I want to talk about another guy. You mentioned Kevin Hayes. And it you cannot understate how important Kevin Hayes has been to this team. A lot of it is because of Nolan Patrick's injury. So Kevin Hayes, if they didn't have him, who's their second-line center? Like, Giroux probably would have had to play center. So it is huge that Kevin Hayes has done what he's done, not only on the ice with 22 goals, but off the ice, I, I, I think that when you look at the impact he's had in the locker room, it's been a big deal because this team has had this kind of older core of players the last number of years. You can say Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, and JVR after they added him last year. And those four guys, their leadership's been brought into question at times, probably unfairly, and but they haven't had anyone else of their talent level that's also a veteran that can kind of take some of the pressure off them off the ice and take some of the focus in the locker room and in the interviews off of them. They've got guys like, you know, Travis Konechny, who gets a lot of media attention, Ivan Provorov, but these are younger guys. So bringing in Kevin Hayes really helped out from an off-the-ice perspective, taking some of the pressure off those guys. Here's the other guy, though, that we really need to talk about in the same vein as Kevin Hayes, and that's Matt Niskanen. Mm -hmm. Because right now, Matt Niskanen has 33 points. Kevin Hayes has 39. Matt Niskanen's a defenseman. He almost has as many points as Kevin Hayes. And when you look at the impact that he's had on the defenseman, and it's it's impossible to understate it. Like, Ivan Provorov has bounced back. Sanheim and Myers have just gotten better and better as the season has gone on. Braun and Haig have been great. And I think that Niskanen has a lot to do with that and also just the team in general, how they've been performing on and off the ice. He's not this kind of like loud, boisterous Boston personality that Kevin Hayes is. But I think that my suspicion is that Matt Niskanen has had just as positive an impact off the ice as Hayes had. And I think that adding those two guys adding two very good hockey players who can also take some of the pressure off of the Jeru's, the Couturier's, the Voracek's, the JVR's. I, I think that's been a really big deal for this team. And so those two acquisitions, Chuck Fletcher has just got to get major kudos for because I, I don't know where this team would be without those two guys in the lineup. Chuck Fletcher might, I mean, it, when all is said and done here, whether the team wins the Stanley Cup this year, next year, the year after, whatever. 
Um, Chuck Fletcher might he might get a, a statue outside the Wells Fargo Center when all is said and done because I don't I can't really think of too many moves he's made that haven't helped this team get better. When I mean, you saw him in, early in the season when they were struggling, he kind of I mean we he kind of made right on the moves he didn't make coming out of camp as far as you know bringing up Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost when the team needed a spark. He went and, you know, he made call-ups and things like that to get the team trending in the right direction. You mentioned the moves he made in the offseason, which, again, were very, you know, people either loved them, hated them, whatever. But you can't dis- you can't deny the fact that they have helped this team tremendously. Matt Niskanen, like you mentioned, being one of them. And even at the deadline, which, you know, we didn't we didn't get to do an episode around the deadline, but the two guys that they bring in off the in the deadline, Nate Thompson and Derek Grant, I mean, right there, those are they're they're not wow moves. They're not moves that are going to open your eyes and say, wow, this really puts the Flyers over the top. But that's not what he was trying to do. The way the Flyers have been playing recently, it would have almost been foolish to make a huge shake up trade that would bring in a guy that would screw up the continuity of this team right now. He made two depth moves and solidified them down the middle, solidified them on the penalty kill, brought in, and I know people may cringe to hear this, but brought in a veteran presence on this team that will just, I mean, when you're in the playoffs, you can't you can't say enough about guys like Niskin and Braun and these guys that he just brought in that can kind of carry a young team and get them through the rigors of a long, grueling series against teams that are good and are supposed to be there. The Flyers... They're a good team, and they're at a point right now where this game against the Capitals tomorrow, if this was last year, hell, if this was three months ago, I would say that they're probably going to lose this game. But I have I have no problem saying that the Flyers are going to – are going to, they have a good chance to win the game, and I don't care who's in net. People are pissed at, at Elliott starting t- tomorrow, but they won 7-2 to two a few weeks ago in Washington with Elliott as the starter. So it doesn't matter right now who's in net right now for the Flyers. They're playing so good they can play with literally any team in the league, and they're going to skate with them nose-to-nose. And they are, I mean, finally people got what they wanted. They're in the top five in the NHL power ranking. So everything is trending in the right direction right now. And it's because of, of Chuck Fletcher and what he's done and the coach, Elaine Vino has been, he's been incredible for this team. And... Him and Fletcher right now are they're a power couple in Philadelphia for what they've done to the Flyers. Yeah, let's talk about the trade deadline real quick. So last week was the trade deadline, and the Flyers were really handcuffed just from a salary cap perspective. I mean, they're very close to the cap, only at a couple hundred thousand to spend. And so the only way that the Flyers were going to get to add a really big name was if they could do something like trade away a Shane Gostisbehere, who makes you know four million plus. It really wasn't in the cards. But what they did was they went out and they got a guy in Derek Grant from Anaheim. And he's been a really good third-line center so far this year for Anaheim. And he's got some grit. He's good defensively. He can pitch in with some goals. And they added yeah, they added Nate Thompson, who's fourth-line center, also has got some grit. And here's what I did after the trade deadline. I looked at the last 10 Stanley Cup champions. And what? And I, I, I looked at, okay, what were the big trade deadline acquisitions that they made? So let's go over it. 2019, the Blues. They made zero major trades at the deadline. 2018, the Caps. Zero major trades. 
2017, the Pens, zero major trades. You have to go back to 2016 when the Pens added Justin Schultz at the trade deadline, who ended up being a big acquisition. That's the last time that a team who made a big ad at the deadline ended up winning the Cup. And 2015, the Hawks, okay, they added Vermette and Tiemann, like two borderline guys at that point. Tiemann was the end of his career. 2014, the Kings added Marion Gabrick. That was a big ad. And McNabb. Um, but then the years before that, the Hawks in 2013 added Michael Hanzus as a fourth-line center. In 2012, the Kings added Jeff Carter. The two years before that, the Bruins, no one. And the Hawks, no one in 2010. So you look at it, and most of the teams that won the Cup didn't make any major ads at the trade deadline. And we've seen since the trade deadline that the teams that made these big acquisitions, the Penguins traded for a bunch of guys, the Hurricanes traded for a bunch of guys, the Islanders made some trades, and nine, none of those teams have had any success since the trade deadline. Right. Now, I'm not saying that they might not turn it around, but a lot of times when you're playing as well as the Flyers are, you don't want to mess with the chemistry of, of your the top guys you're relying on. So I, I think that we've seen Derek Grant was terrific in both games against the Rangers, scored a really nice goal in the game on Sunday. It looks like he's going to be a fixture on the third line for the rest of the season. Nate Thompson has been kind of iffy, but here's the thing. If he's not performing, then they can call up Joel Farabee and – Michael Roffel can slide over and play fourth line center. Like that's, it's just, it's not a big deal. So I think that Chuck Fletcher has just kind of like made all the right moves with this team. And I think that not making major splashes at the trade deadline was probably another good move from Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. I, I kind of thought of that on, on that Monday when we were, you know, getting closer to the three o'clock and I see what other teams are doing. And I was just like, and to, to your point where you were saying the teams that made kind of a lot of moves at the deadline and they haven't had as much success as they probably would have liked to, you know, since then, a lot of it has to, has to do with, you know, just team continuity. You know, they're still learning to play with each other. I mean, you, when you do major shakeups like that to your lineup, it, it takes a while to kind of get everything together and everybody clicking on the same page. The Flyers were at a point at the deadline where everything was already clicking on the same page. And so if they... Let's say they were, if they were able to trade a guy like Shane Gossespierre, if somebody wanted him, if someone would, you know, if they were able to make kind of a big move that would have slotted somebody into the top six, that would have that would have been a major shakeup to the lineup, and it would have it would have thrown the lineup all out of whack. And Elaine Vino has been good all year and kind of hitting the right buttons with the lineup, getting guys together that play well with each other, and it, it, it I feel like it would have been kind of counterproductive for the Flyers or where they're where they were at the time and where they're headed this is the I mean you have your core in place and what Chuck Fletcher did was perfect for what the Flyers needed they needed just a few tweaks here and there to strengthen areas of the team that maybe were lacking a little bit Joel Farabee had been playing that well so you slot in two veteran NHL players that you know that just make you a better all-around, well-rounded team. You mentioned the grit. The Flyers haven't had really too many quote-unquote sandpaper guys, lunch pail, quote-unquote Philly guys all year. So, I mean, with Travis Konecki is your biggest, you know, shit talker on the team, and we love him for it, but you need kind of a guy with a little bit more, you know, power behind his punch to kind of scare other, not scare other teams, but intimidate them and stand up for the guys behind them. 
So what he did at the deadline, I feel was perfect. I have no problems. Did you see the tweet? And I was at work all day, so I didn't know what was going on with the deadline. I was getting updates or whatever. The fake tweet for the uh, the gossip spare for Roman Yossi trade. I just yeah, one of my big pet peeves in life is these morons that create fake Twitter accounts. It's just it's not even worth talking about them. I mean, I just it's so infuriating. Get a life, seriously. Get a life. I, I was I happened to just go on Twitter and that was the first thing that popped up, and course at first glance everything looked legit and i was like holy shit wasn't expecting that obviously wasn't true but i agree get a life but so you're talking about the adding these guys and one of the things that it could help with is the physicality department right? right because what i remember from watching the playoffs last year especially the the later rounds it's an absolute war out there. Like you watch the Bruins and the Blues in the Stanley Cup Finals last year, and every shift, I thought someone was going to have to leave the ice on a stretcher. Like the physicality in those games is just absolutely insane. And I think that that Finals was probably more physical than any series that I've seen in a long time. But that's when we're talking about, you know, that this team has got to sh- show it and prove it in the playoffs because the playoffs are completely completely different animal in the regular season. And if you don't believe that, just ask the Tampa Bay Lightning from last year, who had one of the best records of all time and got swept in the first round. So it's a lot of it is going to come down to how this team can adapt to the physical play that kind of dominates, especially in the later rounds of the playoffs. And I think adding guys like Derek Grant and Nate Thompson really helps from that respect, because now you look at the lineup and you've got guys like Sean Couturier who can play physically, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, Derek Grant, Tyler Pitlick, the entire fourth line. Um, you know, I have some question marks about how Sandheim and Myers are going to hold up in a really physical series, but we'll see. You know, Ivan Provorov, clearly, Niskanen, Braun Haig. These are guys that all you would think would really be able to hold up well in a very physical series. But I, I think until you see it, I don't think – you quite know what to expect, especially from a team that has not had much playoff success, uh, you know, in the last decade or so. I, I, I think I kind of want to see them in that setting before I get really excited about a long playoff run. Yeah, I'm probably a little foolish to think that they're going to have that instant success going into the playoffs because, I mean, you're right. It is a different animal, but I'm just feeling good. I'm feeling good about this team right I now. can tell. Yeah, I, You're I, feeling your oats. I really am. And I said before we came on that and it's it's so it's bizarre how sports work because the Phillies, Eagles, and the Sixers going into the, into the seasons, I, I thought, you know, I thought either one of them had a chance at winning the championship. And with the Flyers, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, new coach, you know, some new players, young players. Yeah, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. The other three teams completely let me down. And the Flyers have just been trending upward all year. They had their ups and downs at the start of the season, but you saw what they could be. You saw when they went on their stretch, they had games where they would just go out and dominate teams. And you said, well, why can't they do this all the time? And now they are. And it was just kind of, for me, I would said it all along, it was just a matter of time before they really learned how to play with each other. They learned this coach. They learned what he expected of them. He lear- They learned their system. And what I think, I think he is kind of the biggest thing in all of this because a lot of the players are back from last year, and he's getting so much more out of those guys because I think, 
and this is just speculation, of course, but I think they just respect this coach way more than they did last year with Hackstall. And how could you not? Because you saw the dumb shit that Hackstall would do game in and game out, and Elaine Vigneault is just so... He just he he hits all the right buttons. He's so intuitive in what he's doing, and every move he makes has a purpose. And he has no problems if if a guy's not giving him what he expects, he'll just go. He'll he'll say it in the media. He'll he'll call guys out. He is everything that this team has needed to take them to the next level. And you can't say enough about the guy. And I'm hoping he's enjoying a martini right now, game planning for tomorrow in Washington because. This is the biggest regular season game the Flyers have played in quite some time. I'm thoroughly jealous that you're going to be in, in the house for it tomorrow night. Yeah, it should be a great game. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, the, I watched the Caps game on Sunday night against the Wild, and it, it, the Caps were struggling for a little while, and it, it looks like they're kind of getting things back together. There was a period where Ovechkin was searching for that 700th goal, and it seemed like the entire team was tight mm-hmm. while he was kind of going for that, and they've they've loosened up a little bit. But, you know, we were talking about Alain Vigneault, and – to me, it, it feels like watching this team, and I, I feel like your optimism kind of gets to this point a little bit, is like you watch this team now, and you, I, at least me, I feel like they've turned a corner. And I'm not just talking about this season, a corner, but like from the past many seasons, go back before Hackstall to when Baruby was head coach. And there was just, this team always came out uh, slow in the first period, and they just would get discombobulated really easily. And now you watch them over the last, let's say, 15 games or so. And they've won, I think they've won 9 out of 11. They've won like 11 out of 14. I mean, they've, just, they've won six in a row. They're on a big streak. And when you watch them, they just they seem so calm and confident now. It's something that I, at least personally, did not see from this team anytime recently it's like they go out and okay they give up a goal early on against the rangers the game on friday there's no panic whatsoever they just you they kind of sense that they know that they're going to get the bounces and the goals are going to go in and i saw a stat today from sam carcidi's article in the inquire that this team they lead the league in goals from defensemen and they also lead the league in fewest i think fewest shots allowed and that combination is crazy because you would think that if the defensemen are scoring all these goals, they're jumping up into the play, which is going to result in a lot of odd man rushes the other way. But to lead the league both in goals from defensemen and fewest shots allowed mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. And I think you're right that it's, you know, it takes a little while for a coach's systems to kick in, but that everything is going at 100% right now. They're playing Vino's system to a T. The power play under Michelle Terrain has been a phenomenal recently the power play has been great the penalty kills you know been okay leaving a little to be desired but they're just it seems like it seems clicking on all cylinders and they turn this corner and you almost we're we're going into game 66 and there's 82 games left in the 82 games total in regular season you almost wish that the playoffs were starting tomorrow because of how well this team's playing and as a philly fan you know I haven't seen a cup in my lifetime. You haven't seen a cup in your lifetime. So me, at least, I'm a little inherently skeptical. And I'm like, I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, man, is this team peaking too early? Maybe they're just this good. But, you know, it's these things that you find yourself worrying about. I'd like the playoffs to start tomorrow, and I'm just hoping they can keep it going for another 16 games and into the playoffs. See, I was... 
It's funny how we all think alike, because I was actually thinking that the other day. Like, I was looking at the schedule, and I'm like, shit, like, we still have a long way to go. But I don't think that this is, I don't think this is a, a matter of the team peaking. I think it's just them, I don't know if you want to say plateau or what. I think this is just who they are now. I don't really see them, I mean, they may slow down a little bit. I don't think they're going to sweep the rest, you know, these the rest of these 16 games and, you know, keep this winning streak alive. I don't expect that. They're going to lose games down the stretch. They're probably going to lose big games down the stretch. And, I, you know, they, they have a really good chance at winning the division, but I don't expect it. And they could they could very well lose tomorrow in Washington. They, I don't expect them to keep on this upward trajectory for the rest of the season, but I don't expect them to fall off a cliff to where, yeah, we're a week left in the season. We know they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not really playing at their best. I think that there's still some, you know, they might dip a little bit, but I think right now this is just who they are. And thinking about tomorrow, and I saw, there's always got, even when things are going great around here, people still have to get pissed off about something. And this goaltending matchup with what, what Elaine Mino is doing, Elliot tomorrow, and I'm assuming Carter Hart will go Thursday against Carolina. you have a problem with Elliot starting tomorrow in this game against Washington? I don't. I mean, yeah, I. Brian Elliott's been really good this season. Yeah. And Carter Hart's been really good, too. He's Carter Hart's been phenomenal. But, you you know, you, Elliott, like you said, I, he was the goalie when they went into D.C. and, and won 7-2. to He's won some big games. I have no I have no issues. Look, I'm not going to start questioning what Elaine Vigneault is doing with this team. Like, this guy's pushing all the right buttons right now, and I'm just – I'm not going to question it. I'm fine with Brian Elliott starting tomorrow night. The one thing I will say, and I have no problem with it either, and when Carter Hart went down with his injury, you know, I guess about a month ago now, everyone thought that we were doomed as a team, and Brian Elliott – Kept them in this thing, and he kept them alive, kept them afloat, and they won some big games. The one down, the one thing that I'll say about him not starting, or Carter Hart not starting tomorrow in Washington, is I would like him to get because it's going to be it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a playoff type atmosphere, and it's going to be on the road. So, and and he struggled on the road as compared to home. I would like him to get in a high pressure situation like that on the road against one of the top teams in the NHL. But, you know, like you said, if Elaine Vigneault, you know, doesn't think, you know, doesn't want him to do that, I have no problems with it. I don't think, I, I, I do not think that Brian Elliott is going to be the reason the Flyers lose tomorrow if they do. I think that, you know, the Capitals are just a good team. And now that Ovechkin has gotten his 700th goal, that's behind him, that's behind the team. I mean, this is literally, like, the greatest goal scorer of my lifetime. I'm 27, so the greatest goal scorer of the last 27, almost 30 years. But he's going to get his. Washington will get theirs. And if they lose tomorrow, it's I can't imagine it's going to be because of Brian Elliott. It's probably going to be because the Flyers just got beat by a good team and they didn't play up to the level that they were supposed to. I mean, you can't win all the games. It's an 82-game yeah. season, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is... Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers because so when Ron Hextall was building this team through the draft he was doing it by drafting pretty much goaltending every year he was taking goaltenders and he was drafting a lot of defensemen early on he took Ivan Provorov what seventh overall he took Travis Sanheim in the first round they were bringing in guys like Phil Myers as undrafted free agents 
And you could just see that, hey, this team doesn't have a Connor McDavid. They don't have a Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, they don't have a Nate McKinnon. They don't have a Jack Eichel. So they're not going to win a cup by having like a few dominant offensive players. They don't have an Austin Matthews. If the way that they were going about trying to build a team that could, could compete for a cup is from the back forward, goal ending and defense. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Like Carter Hart has been phenomenal. Yeah, they hit on him, clearly. And, hey, they might hit on another goaltender. Samuel Airstone looks like he could be a stud. Kirill Ustamenko also. And then you look at the defensemen, and young defensemen are voodoo. Like, you'll see guys get taken really early on, like Aaron Ekblad from the Panthers was one of the first picks in the draft. And he was great early on, and he's struggled since. And, like, young defensemen, it's very hard to kind of predict how their growth curve is going to go. But it sure looks like the Flyers have hit on Ivan Provorov, uh, He's been, this has been his best year in the league. To me, the biggest difference has been how good the second pairing of Travis Sandheim and Phil Myers has been over the course of the last four to six weeks. Because those two guys are freak athletes. Phil Myers is an absolute freakish athlete. And Travis Sandheim is probably the best skater on the team. And those two guys, they're both, what, 6'3, 6'4. And they've, you know, you see from young defensemen, they'll make mistakes from time to time. People will get on them. But the last four to six weeks, watching those guys together as a second pairing has just been a joy. Sandheim has been playing with so much confidence. Same thing with Myers. And you'll see Myers will, like, get beat defensively in the neutral zone. And he's so fast that he will catch up to uh, the opposing forward and eliminate a scoring opportunity. And those guys have been... Um, you know, creating a ton of scoring opportunities. Sandheim's got eight goals this year, and Phil Myers has just got a cannon of a slap shot. I was Chris Kreider found out when he broke his <laughs> his foot blocking that shot on Friday night, and it's uh, I think those what those two guys have done has really stabilized the defense. Braun and Haig have been a really solid third pairing. Provorov and Niskanen have been a really good first pairing, but we needed those two guys to step up, and I really think they have, and I think they can be the Single biggest difference maker for this team down the stretch and in the playoffs is if Sanheim and Myers keep playing the way that they are. The Myers, too. And I know it was in the AHL, but and we talked about this a lot. But the game uh, a couple of years ago in the playoffs, where he, what did he play, like 60 minutes or some crazy yeah. shit like that? I mean, triple overtime game or something. Yeah, he's a guy that obviously has it in him to be, you know, to be a workhorse type guy. And But right now the Flyers at least in this playoff run, won't need him to be because they'll have Niskanen, they'll have Provorov, who's a machine, obviously. They have Braun, who's been there, done that. So they have three They have three guys that are going to carry a lot of the load in the playoffs. But they also, it's good to know that they have a guy like Myers who has done it at some level before and can be trusted, you know, in a big game situation. And he made a play on, I think it was Friday, where it's the same thing you're talking about. He got beat in the neutral zone, and he just chased the guy down and with one hand just slapped the puck away before he can get the shot off. And I don't remember I don't remember who was on the break, but I, 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 you haven't seen it. We've been talking about Phil Myers for like a year and a half now and how much we both like him for his offense. And it's his defense that has been, you know, really opening eyes. And like you said, people will get down on them if they make a mistake. But, you know, that shit is going to happen. We're not talking about, you know, they're, they're not Ray Bork out there. They're not perfectly honed, you know, products. They're still learning. They're still growing. But 
you know, they are they're doing their job right now. And for for the Flyers to have such a young second pairing, when you have you know a guy like Braun out there who on a lot of teams could be the second guy if you know if your young stars I don't know if they're stars, but if they're if your young players weren't playing this well, the Flyers have a great situation right now. They have. To have those two young guys that they can lean on is remarkable, to, and it's a lot to do with their success right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great seeing these young kids come along. And one other thing about what Vino's been doing that I wanted to mention, and Charlie O'Connor tweeted out these numbers earlier today, was he's he's really cut down the average time on ice per game for the Big Four. So. If you look at Claude Giroux, last year he averaged 21 minutes a game. This year he's averaging 19 minutes a game. During their recent six-game winning streak, 17 minutes. So that's a four minutes, four and a half minutes under what he's averaging last year and two minutes under his average this year. The same thing with Couturier. 22 minutes last year, 20 minutes this year, 18 minutes during this streak. You go down the lineup, same thing with Voracek, same thing with JVR. And those are the little types of things in addition to like knowing when your team needs a day off, knowing when you need just an optional morning skate uh, when there's a game, those are the kinds of things that are going to keep a team fresh for the playoffs. And those are the things that, that Vino is doing. It's the attention to details, the things that Dave Axtell didn't do. And I think these are things that are really going to help this team down the stretch. So that's just something I saw today that I, I thought was uh, very enlightening about like one of the – you know, concrete things that Vino's doing that's really going to pay off for this team. How about Couture on Sunday playing with the actual flu? He's he's the MVP of this team, and it's not even close. Did you hear? Did you see that the back? Or yeah, there was a video of the back and forth between Keith Jones and Mike. Oh yeah, Mike Milbury. Yeah, pregame. Mike, Mike Milbury's a moron. He's such a jackass. He really is. He it's. He hates the Flyers, and everybody knows it. And everything he's ever said about them is probably wrong. Every single time. Yeah, yeah. For those that didn't see it, he basically Keith Jones was saying that Sean Couturier was the most valuable player on the Flyers, and uh, Mike Milbury chimed in that he thought that Jake Voracek was. And Keith Jones says, "Well, you're wrong." Yeah, tremendous. <laughs> so I'm should wondering... we? Uh, well, uh, question. schedule here, and we're in the last full month of the season. This is not an easy schedule up ahead. The Flyers no. play. The Caps are definitely favorites to win the division. Yeah. The Flyers play. I mean, they 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 have. I mean, they're back to back with Washington and Carolina. They have Boston on the schedule. They go to Tampa. Tampa. They have Edmonton, St. Louis. I mean, there's, yeah, New York. I mean, they're they're playing. This is this is this month. I don't want to say it's not going to make or break them, but they're really going to be tested a lot, and I think they're up to it. Wouldn't be surprised if Washington wins the uh, wins the division there. It'd be nice just to maintain home ice advantage yeah, uh, against the, the Penguins, especially since this team's been so good at home. Yeah, exactly. So we have some questions. Correct. We do. We do. I yeah, we got about 12. 12 questions. Well, I think I saw a couple of duplicates in there. Or not okay. Duplicates, just from the same. Similar, similar types of points. So, well, same guy. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Oh, I have them up. I will read them. So, Carlos Danger. That's awesome. Um, He asks, if Nolan Patrick returns before end of season, 
What do you see his role and what impact of the lineup? Does someone sit or is he the 13th forward? So, I mean, we've got 17 games left and Nolan Patrick still hasn't had any kind of conditioning stint with the Phantoms. It's just very hard for me to see him returning to the lineup at this point. He practiced today. There's a little bit of contact, and I think people are enthused about that. Here's my other question. Do you really want him coming back and maybe Rue, you know, no. change, changing the chemistry of this team? No. That's one of those things like Eric Lindros came back after the concussion um, in, I don't remember what year it was when the Flyers were playing against the Devils. And I still maintain to this year, to, to right now, that the Flyers would have won the Stanley Cup that year, that year if Lindros had not have come back because it changed everything. It's a little different with Nolan Patrick. I think if he returns, he'll probably be the fourth line center, which, yeah. you know what? Look. That's fine. If he's going to play 10 to 12 minutes a game, that's fine with me. But I don't want him to come back and then get injured. And, you know, I, I at this point, I, I think it might just be better if Nolan Patrick just focuses on having a, a full summer to, to deal with this migraine issue. And, look, if he's 100% and he does a, a, you know, a rehab stint with the Phantoms and he's ready to go, all right, that's fine. But I'm, I'm certainly not banking on him coming back. And if he does come back, I think it'll be as a fourth-line center. I in, no, I, I in no way want him to, to, to jump in the lineup if they deem him ready to go for the reason you just said. Um, and I forgot, we you actually mentioned that Lindros thing before in a different episode. But I think, I think the moves that the Flyers made at the deadline would kind of suggest that they don't think that he's going to be ready for any kind of playoff run, and they might be thinking the same thing. If he's not going to get, I mean, if he comes back with a week left, or if he gets cleared a week left in the season, in the regular season, do you really want to throw him out there for a playoff run when you're when the team's probably going to be playing well and going that strong? I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine that being a smart move, and I don't think Chuck Fletcher would do that. So I would just leave him out and just you know say, you know, it is what it is. Take the season, you know, and, and get right for next year. Um, bigly unwitty with respect to result this season, what's the bigger factor, the AV hire specifically or merely a coaching change away from hack side note are all finally becoming, are we all finally becoming a decent power play? Um, I think first of all, any coach that came in probably would have done better than Dave Haxel without question, anybody at all. Would have, that would have come in to coach his team would have done better. I think Elaine Vigneault has been the perfect – he was the perfect guy for this job at this specific time for the Flyers because this is this was a team very much in transition. I believe a team very much in turmoil overall. So I think what he's done cannot be understated. And I think that he is – I think he alone is the biggest factor for the Flyers being as good as they are right now. He is – done everything right he has completely turned this team around so i would th- I, I i say that any anybody would have been better than dave Haxel, but i think elaine Vigneau was just the perfect guy for the job i agree with you uh, everything you said there i think that anyone would have been improving from Haxel, but i think that vino specifically has just been a perfect fit for this team i think he's a, a, a fantastic head coach and so it's a little bit of both but i i'd say more it's Vino, and in terms of the power play hey it looks like the power play is finally clicking and as jake voracek said i mean a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just put these guys back in the positions that they've been used to playing for the last five years with with each other you know you move 
Claude Giroux back to the left faceoff dot, and you see the difference it makes. Yep. So I think that that's, that's been a big factor there. I agree. Uh, Benjamin Molesky, has Braun earned another one- to two-year contract? If so, what does that mean for Ghost, uh, especially since Moran will have uh, have to pass through waivers and York and Igor are coming? This is a really good question, something I've been thinking a, bit, a little bit about. Who who are the Flyers going to bring back among these unrestricted free agents? Right. You know, you've got Pitlick, you've got Grant, you've got Braun. I think that Shane Gostisbehere is probably going to get traded this offseason. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I think I that they're going to try and trade him like at the draft. Maybe, uh, I don't know for what, maybe for draft picks or maybe for like forward, like uh, Kasperi Kapanen or something. But I think Ghost is going to be gone. And I think that Mark Friedman was really good in his call-up. So I wouldn't mind having him uh, taking Ghost spot next year. I don't think that Cam York or Egor Zamula are going to be ready. So that means that I'd be fine with re-signing Braun for another one to two year contract. I don't want to pay him. You know, he's, I think his contract right now, he makes like 3.8 million a year. I, I wouldn't want to pay him that much. I think he's going to have to take a little bit of a, of a pay cut, but um, I, I would have no issue with bringing him back. Yeah, I agree. He's a good bridge guy for, I mean, the, the names that were mentioned there, York and Zamula. So if you bring him in for a year or two, it gives you some stability. It gives you some familiarity. A guy that's been here already knows the system, knows how things work. So I'd be fine with a year or two. Um, I think he's played well. He People were hating on him a lot there uh, towards the middle of the season, but he's been great as of late. So, I, you know, if he came back next year, I, w- I wouldn't hate the idea. Uh Nathan asks, do you think Giroux has played big enough uh, of a role this year? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that we talked about this earlier this season that he kind of looked like he was lacking a speed burst and his skating wasn't there. The, the truth is he's never really been that great of a skater, but it, it almost looks to me like he's just kind of turned it on and, and has gotten to a new level over the past month. And part of me wonders if, you know, he's just – he, at this point in his career, that he knows that that this team was going to be good enough to be in a playoff position at this point, and you just kind of you turn it on as it gets later in the season, and that's really what we've seen him doing. He's been phenomenal recently. He was great in both those Rangers games, and I, I think that a lot of what we're going to see is going to be decided in the next few months in terms of how we judge this season from Giroux but I'm through all of the criticism that kind of like I've doled out and some people have doled out to him through the early parts of this year right now he's playing great hockey and I think we're just gonna have to see what happens the rest of the year but I'm, I'm happy with where Giroux is at this point yeah I don't think we're used to Claude Giroux not having to be the guy out there and you know he's kind of settling into some. I think he's settling into a new role where he's not. I don't want to call him a role player, but he's not. He doesn't have to be the guy driving the train. He can kind of, you know, take take a step back a little bit because everyone around him is playing so well that he doesn't have to be on go at all times. And you're absolutely right. He's hitting on all cylinders right when the Flyers need him to, and that's late in the season. Heading into the playoffs, I expect him to have a great playoffs because he knows when to turn it on, when the lights are brightest, and when the tension's highest. And that's just what he's going to do. That's why he's the best flyer since Bobby Clark because he's just—I mean—he's a big game player. There's no, there's no question about it. Um, 
Bill Leonard asks, he says, hello, Dan and Mark. Hope all is well with both of you. It is. Such are, a gentleman, Bill. He really is. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, he says, what are your thoughts on Derek Grant? Where's his best fit in the lineup? Thanks, guys. Um, so, well, yeah, so far, I like Derek Grant. I like these guys that, to me, I don't know what it is about penalty killing that I like so much. I just, you know, maybe it's the chaos. It's, you know, the, the fire drill aspect of it. I like guys like Derek Grant that excel in, you know, penalty kill situations. I think they're so valuable to a hockey team. You know, he had a great goal on Sunday uh, against the Rangers. Believe it was shorthanded. So that right there, I mean, that's what he's bringing. That's what he's going to bring to the table for the Flyers. He's going to be a great penalty kill guy. He's got 15 goals this season. Um, 14 of those, obviously, with Anaheim. So, yeah, I mean, he's just he's just a great – he's a good depth guy. He was a good, you know, kind of under-the-radar move in – a trade deadline that was throwing around some big names, you know, going to some top contenders in the league. And I think when all is said and done, you know, even if the Flyers don't have the playoff success that we think they can, if they don't win the Stanley Cup, I think that Derek Grant will have paid huge dividends for them down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, he's right now he's slotting in as a third-line center, playing between JVR and Tyler Pitlick. He's been really good in that role. I mean, the first game was a little iffy, but he'd been on, you know, flying all night long and got in, and you're trying to learn a new system, so that game's a toss. And I think he's been really good in the last few games against the Rangers. So I've been really happy with Derek Grant. And, hey, if Nolan Patrick comes back and he looks phenomenal, you could move Derek Grant down to fourth-line center and Patrick could play third-line center. Yeah. Grant can also play either wing. So there's a lot of versatility there. He's great on face-offs, just like Thompson. The Flyers right now are the best face-off team in the league, and they added to that um, with Grant and Thompson. And so, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I like Derek Grant so far. Yeah, so do I. Um, Tom Sloan has a few here, so I'm going to read. Uh, i take this kind of slow. Coots is on pace for 70 points again. Would be the first Flyers since Claire to do it three consecutive seasons. That's a good stat. Yeah, it is. Um he said, rank the level of disrespect for him. Uh, and this is, you know, he's saying when people would say that he was a fourth-line center versus the general media versus Mike Milbury. So I guess who, what, what was the biggest dose of disrespect for, for Sean Couturier? I will say Mike Milbury just because I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't, it's hard to rank a level of disrespect. I mean, it, it is incredible how little attention Sean Couturier gets, but it just follows suit with the Flyers get very little yeah. attention in general. Which doesn't um, bother me, by the way. A lot, and a lot of, yeah, they just, people don't view these guys, you know, Sean Couturier is a, is, a, is a superstar level player, but he really has been this year. He's been shutting down opposing top forwards all season long. He's putting up big points. He's just, he's the MVP of this team. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, yeah. And has been for the last couple seasons. Uh, he also wants to know where we would rank him all time for flyer centers, which is, there's a lot of good ones in there. Your favorite player ever is in there. He's in there. Yeah, he's making me pull up the, uh, you know, flyers all time leading scorers. So, you know, obviously I would say that Eric Lindros was the most talented center that's ever been on this team. Ever been. Um, yeah, Eric, Eric Lindros has got to be the top right. center for the Flyers. I I mean, was what was Bobby Clark a center or a winger? I mean, I you know I I I, I don't know. I mean, I'd say that Couturier. Yeah, probably played both. I mean, Couturier is clearly among that group in terms of his impact on this organization. 
And so I put him below Lindros, below Bobby Clark. Um, he's he's below Giroux. Below Giroux below the center for most of them. Yeah, below you know below Giroux. Um, even though I think that Couturier's impact on the game, he may be a bigger positive impact than Giroux just because of how good defensively he is. You know, I think that right now I'd say Couturier is you know right around a level of a guy like a Rod Brindamore. Okay. Yeah. I would, yeah, shit. I would say so. Uh, so Chris Bennett, I'll go. Tom has a few more. I'll get back into them. Uh, Chris Bennett at Bennett CK. Assume cap implications work out smoothly. If Fletcher can make one big move this summer, would you rather want to add Petrangelo or Hall? I, of those two, I don't want either of those guys. Okay. But of those two, I, I would. De- if we could make it work out, I would take Ty- Taylor Hall. Oh, but yeah. I think that, you know, Hall's got some questions to answer. I mean, he's none of the teams he's been on have ever had like a huge level of success. And right. he's also, you know, he's been a little bit injury prone. He's going to sign a huge deal this offseason. I just don't think the Flyers are going to have the money to make a big splash. They're going to have some guys, they've got to re sign guys like, you know, uh, Phil Myers, Nicholas Abacubel, maybe Justin Braun. I don't know what's going to happen with Patrick and Lindblom. They may they may just re-sign those guys to 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 small deals, um, but you know they're and then the following year they're going to have to sign guys like Sandheim and Carter Hart, which is going to be a lot of money. So I think that they, I don't think that they can. I think Hayes was their big splash. I don't think they can make another big splash. But if you said we could add one of those two guys, I'd say Hall. What happens? I mean, what happens with a guy like um, Limblom with this with this condition he has? Obviously, he was at the game a couple games ago and he looked great. If he physically can't play, like, did the fly, Like, how does he does he just become a free agent and the Flyers just kind of wait and see with him? Uh, I, he's not going to become a free agent. I mean, he's he's a. I, I think if he's you know unable to perform, and I would look. I will be honestly, he's in a fight for his life right now. Right. I, yeah. I will be stunned if he returns to playing hockey next season or quite honestly, anytime. But um, I think that, you know, he's going to be on the long-term IR list. Okay. You know, the Flyers are not going to lose the rights to him or Patrick. And if those guys are still injured, they're just going to be on long-term IR is what I would guess. But I don't know exactly how it works. Right. Okay. Uh, Liminal Justice asks, the return of Crosby from injury seems to have harmed the Penguins' ability to win, or at least coincided with that. Is the correlation enough to justify riotous laughter, or a st- or as this statistics guy, do you think his return needs to be shown uh, to the casual for... Causal. Yeah, I can't read. <laughs> Causal for its uh, for it to be hilarious. That was spelled wrong. I know that. <laughs> I, whether intentional or not, who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't think I'm like a big stats guy. I really don't think so. I'm almost like more I, – I get branded this way just because I, I like – I would say you are. I, I'm, I'm really not. Like, I'm, I don't think I'm a stats guy. Anyway, I – You um, enjoy stats. You're not the guy that's going to throw them out at people, but you enjoy stats. Some, to a certain degree, I guess. But, you know, I rely on what I see a lot more than what the stats are telling me. Mm -hmm. In any event, um, 
yeah, it's ridiculous, I think, to say that Crosby's coming back would hurt that team. I think what's hurt what's hurt that team is that their goaltending, Tristan Yari was incredible the first half of the season. He was right. a borderline Vezina candidate, and he's been terrible recently. Matt Murray has not been great, and their defense has not been good. And they didn't add any defensemen at the trade deadline. They made some bad trades at the deadline, adding older forwards who I'm just not sure what they're going to add to the team. So I don't think that I, I don't think that Sidney Crosby coming back negatively impacted the Penguins. I think that the, the goaltending falling apart is the major reason that that team has been so bad recently. Yeah, I mean, that the road trip they just had out west was pretty pitiful. It's great for us, but I, I, I think it's hilarious. To answer his question, I think it's just friggin' hilarious that that happened. But I don't think, I mean, could you imagine saying that one of the best players ever came back and the team fell apart because of it? So. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's not Crosby the reason why they're like that, but it's it's nice it's nice that they coincide that way, and it is hilarious. Yes, that that's very funny. Uh, Sean Fitzpatrick says, "Do you envision other than by injury, Goss is spare cracking cracking the lineup again during the postseason?" For me, and we've said it, the the defense has been really good recently, and we still have 16 games before the playoffs even start, and literally anything can happen. But if he if things stay the way they are right now, if the Flyers stay playing the way they are, the defense stays the way it is. If he's cracking the lineup in the postseason, something's probably going terribly wrong. Well, if it's not an injury, then it's just the team is kind of falling apart in the playoffs and they're looking for a spark. And so to me, that's the only reason, that's the only way Gosses Bear gets in the lineup in the playoffs if things stay the way they are is, you know, tragedy has struck the team, basically. Right. I think as long as they keep playing like they are now and as long as the, the defense stays healthy, I don't think he's going to get back in the lineup. So, right, I agree with you that if Gostisper is back in the lineup in the postseason, I think that either way he's going to get some games in during the regular season because yeah. you want to kind of keep, keep him fresh. fresh. Yeah. But I don't think he'll be playing in the playoffs unless something negative happens, like an injury or a losing streak where Haig is really bad. I think Haig's the only guy in this lineup that he could replace at this point. I agree. Uh, two more from Tom Sloan. He says, team and line chemistry is clicking right now. Does it take an injury or a play to fall off for Farabee to get called back up? If, when he returns, where is he slotted? Th uh, third line uh, wing makes most sense. Who sits and who centers the fourth? I think, again, barring an injury, because I can't predict injuries, if there's an injury, Farrell will be the first call-up. Right. If there's not an injury, the likeliest scenario for him getting into the lineup is Nate Thompson's play continuing to be kind of mediocre and subpar. And if that happens, I think that Michael Roffel will slide over to fourth-line center and Farrell will play fourth-line wing. That's what I would predict to happen. I guess you could also maybe move Lawton to like third line center and Grant to fourth line center and put Faraby with Hayes and Konechny, possibly. But I don't think they want to break up Lawton, Hayes, and Konechny yeah, right now. That's a really good line. So I, I think the likeliest scenario for Faraby getting into the lineup without an injury is replacing Nate Thompson on the fourth line with Raffle sliding over to center. All right, one more from Tom. Make a convincing argument that that the Hague we are seeing right now isn't the real Hague. That the previous regime created by pounding the puck, moving player out of him, that he... Oh, shit, I just clicked off of it. Basically, the question is, you know, is this... Who, it, who is the real Robert Hague? Who is the real Robert Hague? So, 
I think that he's, we've talked about this, like he's a fine third pairing defenseman for an NHL team. And I've probably said things in the past, like I don't think he could be a good third pairing defenseman on a good playoff team, but maybe I was wrong about that. Him and Braun have looked really good. And I think that, uh, I, I think that he's also still fairly young. Like Robert Haig is, what is he, 23 years old maybe? Uh, it takes defensemen a while to kind of find their bearing in the NHL. So I think that there's still some growth in Haig's game. And yeah, they previous regimes were just telling him to bang the puck off the boards and get it out of the zone. And maybe he's, uh, you know, he's blossoming a little bit under the new coaching regime like a lot of these players are. So I think that I think we're seeing the real Robert Haig now, and I think there's probably still some some upward growth. Yeah, I mean, he, to be fair, also he hasn't had the most consistent playing time over the last you know year and a half. He's kind of been in and out of the lineup, and you know I think he's finally they finally found a nice role for him. And look, everything right now is going so well that I don't even want to think about how Robert Haig used to be because, for all I know. This is him. What he is right now is just what he is. And the the previous regime just screwed everybody up because everybody is playing at the top of their game right now. So I, to me, everything stems from coaching right now with this team. Yep. So we've got some questions. We, uh, go ahead. Is there more to Oh, uh, no. Yeah, there's one more uh, from Liminal Justice. Okay. He wants to know, uh, what's your call? I know where you're going, so we'll bring him. That's our closer. We'll stick with that. Uh, Liminal Justice wants to know, what's your call on this Flyers game at D.C.? The Capitals seem to have stopped their tragic waiting for Ovechkin's record string of losses. Here's me. The Flyers are playing so good right now. Six in a row, and they're going on the road in D.C. against one of the top teams in the league. And I think that they're going to, I don't want to say come down to earth, but I would not be surprised if they lose this game tomorrow because of how well they've been playing because, you know, you could say Elliott in net, whatever. I don't think that's going to be the biggest factor. I just think the the Capitals have a lot to prove right now. The Capitals know how big this game is for them. The Flyers are three points behind them in the standings. So they don't want to give up. The, they don't want to give up two of those three points, you know, themselves. You know, if they lose to another team, and the Flyers win, it's whatever. But the, the the Capitals control their own their own fate in this whole thing, and they understand that this is a championship team. They've won it just two years ago. I think the Capitals. I think the Capitals would win the game, but I think the Flyers have a good shot at it. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is going to be a good hockey game. I mean, the Flyers are playing great. The Caps have started playing good hockey again. I think one of the keys is going to be not taking penalties because the, the Capitals' power play is just so deadly that, you know, you don't want to take penalties and give Ovechkin a shot at, at you know, those one-timers from the uh, right face-off circle. I mean, I don't – it's just – it's a hard – it's going to be a hard game to predict. I as I think, as again, as Flyers fans, we're almost like inherently skeptical and negative. And, and I, I, I feel like after getting embarrassed 7-2 by the Flyers – uh, in the last game in D.C., you feel like the Caps are going to come out and play a really strong hockey game. So, gun to my head, I'd probably take the Caps to win tomorrow night, but I will not be surprised if the Flyers win. Flyers are plus 133 on the money line for tomorrow. Well, yeah, of course the Caps are the oh, favorite I know they're the, I, tomorrow. No, I, I'm, not, I'm just saying that's not, that's pretty good. That's not, yeah. uh, that's not awful for them. 
that's not an awful bet either. All right, so you have um, yeah, our buddy, our our buddy Flyer Rob, who um, he's you guys are best uh, friends he's, now. He's yeah, he's decided to uh, to stop. You know, Twitter keeps booting him off. He's got some strong political opinions, and I don't I don't talk politics on Twitter or with my friends typically because just arguments ensue. And so he's now been he's sending me some uh, questions. Um, and outside of Twitter, and I let's we can get to him. So he's got four questions. We've already answered a couple of them. But his first question is, with the Flyers, Avs, Blues, and Rangers all surging with wins and strong winning records in February, why did the NHL media talking heads have the Flyers going down on the NHL top 16 power rankings? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I like tweeting out the power ranking sometimes and the reality is is that it doesn't you know, matter it doesn't matter yeah. we know more about this team than a lot of these national media pundits who aren't able to spend a lot of time following all the teams the athletic had the flyers like ninth scott burnside and that's just preposterous like it's ridiculous but i did see some rankings today i think yahoo had the flyers fourth and espn had them top five so they are getting some attention in some of these power rankings now but really, all that matters is what where this team is at the end of the season. Yeah, I know people like for for their team to have the national notoriety. I never cared. I mean, it's like you said, we know what we're seeing. We know how good this team is. And the, the biggest the biggest nightmare for the NHL would be the Flyers winning the Stanley Cup. I believe that. So just just hold out hope for that, because then we're just going to year of, we're going to get a year of shit talking a league that's trying to bury us for, for decades. Second question we kind of answered, what is to become of Nolan Patrick? You know, it's a good sign that he's uh, skating in sort of semi-contact today in practice. But I just, at this point, I would just prefer that he take the summer off and uh, try and hopefully come back strong next year. My concerns still exist that I'm worried about a guy with migraine disorder coming back and he's already had concussions and what happens you know, with his next concussion and people want to say, oh, well, migraine disorder is not related to concussions. I'm sorry, it's but still the head. if you're if you're having migraines and you're getting concussions, I cannot imagine <laughs> that that it's like a good thing. Right. I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, keep keep yeah. him out of my lineup. We're, we're good. We're good as we are. Any news on Lindblom's cancer treatment? I do not have any inside info on Lindblom's cancer treatment. The, the only thing that I've been saying is that I think that we all have to kind of realize that this guy's fighting for his life. And I don't even think it's worth trying to speculate on whether or not he's ever going to come back and play hockey, because that is a secondary concern right now. It's all about if he's going to be able to beat this cancer. And from what I've heard, it sounds like things are going well with the treatment. And so I just kind of hope that, that things will continue in that direction. Yeah, he looked good a couple games ago when he when he was with the team. Again, I'm going to bring up Elaine Vigneau again. Hit the when his face lights up every time that uh, uh, great. Lindblom is in the locker room. He loves his team. He loves that kid, and he's pulling for him just like the rest of us. I don't, you know, for me, I don't care if he ever plays hockey again as long as he gets to live, you know, another 70 years. So that's that's really what's all important right now. Yep. Uh, last question from Flyer Rob. With the surging Flyers, can they get to a second-round playoff berth for the first time in almost a decade? Hell and should yeah. we and should we as Flyers fans expect nothing less than a first-round playoff win? So I think that, yeah, they definitely can get to the second round. They can get further than that. Um, you, so the way that the playoffs are structured right now, 
assuming the Flyers get either the first, second, or third seed in the Metro, they wouldn't have to play Tampa or Boston until the Eastern Conference Finals. And those are really the only two teams that concern me. I think the Flyers could beat the Caps, the Pens, the Islanders, the Canes, any of those teams. So I think that they clearly could get to the second round, they could get to the third round. But as I cautioned early on, like if they get to the playoffs and they lose a hard-fought series against the Penguins in the first round, like I will be disappointed for sure. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like heartbroken because to me we're playing with house money this year. For me, next year is the year that like the cup window opens seriously. Yeah, I'll say this, Rob, and everyone else out there. Throw your caution to the wind. Buy in completely on this team. Put all of your emotion into it. And be devastated if they don't do what you expect them to do. Expect them to go to the second round, definitely. I think they have that. And if they don't win the Stanley Cup, be upset. Be devastated. And live in that depression until next year. Because I think that, like Dan said, next year the window really opens up. Next year this team is one year older. They are one year better together. Elaine Vino is still at the helm. So I think the Stanley Cup is coming. It's not a matter of if or it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when right now. So it could very well be this year, and I want everyone to think that. I want everyone to think that this team could win the Stanley Cup this year. And I want everyone to be depressed if they don't, because I know I will. And that's it. There you go. Fly Rob from the text board. Thanks, everyone, for the questions. Our first ever texted-in question. Yeah, it's great. Love it. All right. Um, so we kind of gave our predictions. What I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Capitals win tomorrow. It's going to be a great game no matter what. I, the Flyers are not going to come out in this game and get their asses kicked by, by Washington. It's going to be a good game from start to finish. I fully believe that, and I, my support is 1,000% behind the Moose, Brian Elliott. And I know you I know you support him as well because he was your uh, – he was you voted him as your savior for the season this year, and he hasn't disappointed. He's been great. Yeah. So, Dan, favorite part of the show? People want to find you if they want to, uh, you know, argue with you on Twitter, which I know people love to do. Where can they do that at? Yeah, so uh, folks can find me on Twitter at dsilver88. You can call me a moron. You can call me an idiot. You can agree with me. Whatever, whatever you want. Uh, and yeah, at dsilver88 on Twitter. And as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. That's with two N's. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. Times are great right now if you're a Flyers fan, and if it's going to be a great game tomorrow in Washington. Dan, best of luck to you. Don't get rolled on if the Flyers win. Um, until we talk to you next time, the Flyers, we're gonna, they're going to keep it going. We're going to keep it going. So until we talk to you next time, enjoy your life, and let's go fly.